This is What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders. Hello, I am Gabriel Sanders, and I don't like the word normal. I also don't like the word that's the polar opposite to normal, which is weird. Unless it's Weird Al Yankovic or Pete Holmes or that classic 1980s John Hughes movie. Well, the TV show wasn't that bad. A bunch of years ago, I stumbled upon a book in a hotel store titled Normal is Just a Setting on Your Dryer. And that phrase stuck with me and I've used it ever since. If you Google it, it's quite popular. You can even get it on a mug. On my podcast, What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders, I'm going to be talking with people about the quote-unquote normal lives we lead, our unique journeys, and what normal means to them. This episode is with my friend Ben Berger. It's my first episode, so um, getting used to this whole format. But we had a great discussion, and Ben's a great guy. Um, very interesting discussion. I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Thank you. Yeah, those were expensive. Um, you can guarantee me that we're not going to use this video. This is a strictly a podcast, right? This is strictly a podcast. Okay. Are we rolling right now? Is this like the ro- thing? Yeah. Yeah, oh, we just went right into it. Oh, boy. You mother. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> ben and uh, Ben Berger. Yes. Hey, everybody. It's ben, good to be ben, here. Benjamin Berger. So this is um, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me. Is this the first episode? You are number zero zero one. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm. I really am honored. That's very cool. Yeah. It's good to see you and talk to you at the same time. Yeah. I saw your live things on Facebook. But oh that wow. Was it. Yeah. Did you dig through the old ones? No, there was only so much I could take. Yeah. <laughs> so they were they were popular for a little while, and I just got I got I, tired. I was responding. I would get into... You oh, know, yes, of course. Yeah. So that was like the second or third generation of that show. Uh, yeah. I was, if you can call it a show, I was doing them uh, a while. That I started a version of it back in college where it wasn't really quite that same thing. And then with the advent of Facebook Live, I started doing it a few years ago again. Um, but uh, the hook was that I would open my mail and just read whatever. I didn't know what I was going to get, and I would just read it and then you know riff on it. That's um, awesome. Yeah, and then I kind of stopped doing it, and then people were like, oh, you should do it again. And I tried doing yeah. it again, and then you were the only one watching, so then it's like, oh, what's yeah, the yeah. point? Well, I have my own private show. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was that other show we did that you did right. pay for. Right. Yeah. So you and I met on a movie. You're my boss. I Yeah, but I, I mean, technically, yes. I don't think of it that way, though. I mean, yeah. you know, we we have a small, I don't know, I guess we should explain a little bit about what yeah. we do. Uh, I imagine a lot of your audience are going to be sound folks, though. Uh, I hope I hope not. Um, so you, <laughs> no, there's going to be a, there's going to be. I hope to be uh, a an eclectic array of a potpourri of people uh, listening in um, from from all walks of life. But uh, some sound people, yeah. So um, what we do is called production sound for film and TV, and. Yeah. We record the dialogue on set while the cameras are rolling of actors doing their lines. Right. And uh, it's a three-person three, man, three person crew, usually, sometimes two people. Um, and so I, uh, the movie that we did, uh, I don't know, can we, we talk, talk about, about the movie? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't uh, why not? Let's just, it's, it's, let's, uh, just, okay. uh, let's just say what we do. What so, do you do? Uh, 
I was the on this film. I was the sound mixer, the head of the department. I call the shots. Um, and Gabriel is the boom operator. He's the the person that holds the microphone over the actors' heads. And right. um, and that was our first time working together. And yeah. um, I was just gonna say, uh, you, you called me your boss. And um, what what we do, we're freelance, and we hop around, and we have different crews on different shows and stuff. Um, and our, like I said, the sound department's very small, so I, I don't really think of it as a boss. Uh, okay. employee relationship uh, okay. so much. I, I think it's very democratic, especially when you can have three people, you can sort of like, if, if it's two against one, it's kind of, kind of yeah. the thing that you're going to do. Um, it's like 33 and a third each? What do you think? How, what's the percentage? I think it's like, you know how 33.3 repeating yeah. is 99.9 repeating? I think the sound mixer gets that extra point zero repeating okay. with a one at the end, if, you know, if he has to overrule. Right. Um, but uh, We met on a bus. We met on a bus. Uh, I just want to say, before I ever met you, I had heard yeah. a lot about you oh, um, that's because the guys that I was working with yeah. uh, had worked with you like a long time ago, I think. Really? What, uh, yeah, you know, um, those guys I was with. Uh, do you, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. how long ago were you, were you, when was the last time you worked with those guys? Oh, that had to have been, because I was, I was working in sound pretty regularly in New York before I moved to Florida. So I moved kind of took a break, break from sound in around like 2010-ish, 2011. So then I kind of stepped away. So that then, and then flash forward six years later when they returned. Okay. Um, 2010 but, is when I was basically getting started doing sound. Wow. And as far as a podcast, bring it back, um, my wife, Carrie, has said, I've been wanting to do a podcast for 10 years, um, <laughs> even though we haven't known each other that long. Um and I think it might have been around that same time when I was kind of breaking away when I was, I was learning about what podcasting was around 2010, 2011, and um, slowly getting into that vibe. Wait, how old are podcasts now? Well, the first one I listened to was Ricky Gervais's podcast, and that was back in like 06, 07. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Time is just... Yes, yeah. zooming by. I yeah. can't. I have no sense of it anymore. Oh, wait, are they called podcasts because they you could listen to them on your iPod back in the day? Probably. It's a good uh, question. So I feel um, like I, I'm in a pod. You're in a pod. Like yeah. in a pea pod. Like we're we're peas in a pod. You. We're and me. peas in a pod. We're both in our own pods. Yeah, yeah. that's probably well, where the name comes from. I'm glad to share. I'm glad to uh, that I'm sharing like a the the shell with you. So listen, you met me yeah. on a bus. We yeah. were on our way to Atlantic City. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> And uh, actually, I remember, so you, uh, after the bus ride, so it was like a, well, like a three-hour ride or something like that to Atlantic City from, yeah. uh, from Tribeca, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember after the bus ride, you, or during the bus ride, you sent me a picture, a close-up. Uh, you were sitting in front of me, yeah. and you had texted me a picture, because we didn't know each other. Mm -mm. So I called you, hired you. Uh, first you said no, and then you said yes, and I was very happy that you said yeah. yes. Yeah, another job um, got pushed. Yes, yeah. uh, that seemed to work out for everybody. Um, and then, uh, so now we're on this bus on our way to Atlantic City because the first week of this movie is in Atlantic City. Mm -hmm. And we're all being put up there in the hotel casino. And you had, during the ride, towards the end of the ride, I think I, like, I was trying to get some sleep. And after the ride was over, I look at my phone and I see a picture of me, like a close-up black and white, like high-contrast photo that, that you had taken. 
No, I think that was that's on the right there. I think that's on the right, on the right there. there. We were sitting next to each other on the right there. Are you sure about that? Yeah, we were sitting next to each other, and then we had the other guy in front of us. And on the way back from Atlantic City, I still, I still, it's only, I've only known you about a week. Yeah. <laughs> but on the way back, you were sitting behind me, and I turned around and you were sleeping. Okay, interesting. Um, well, either yeah. way, I remember I wasn't actually sleeping, and I was trying to sleep, but I don't sleep well on buses, I guess. Okay. And I yeah. remember feeling the air, like I, I heard the I heard the chair kind of creak, yeah. and I felt the air of something moving in front of my face. And yeah. I just kept I kept my poker face on and just pretended to keep sleeping. And I was like, I'll it's like it's probably nothing. And yeah. then then I got the picture, and it made perfect sense. Of but, your face. Sleeping. Yeah, that, that someone had taken a close-up shot with their phone <laughs> of me sleeping, supposedly. Um, yeah. I thought that was, yeah. you know, for someone that, and I could reasonably assume it was you because you were sitting in front of me. Yeah. So I uh, I thought it was odd because we didn't know each other that well yet. No. But, um, but now that picture actually, you know, that was back in November, October, November. Yeah. Now, what is it, like six, seven months later, um, I have that picture up on my wall. Oh. Yeah. Now, when me when I was uh, when I took the picture, we saw the picture. We hadn't known each other. Yeah. Um, what was the first thoughts that came to your? Uh, I remember thinking like, okay, this guy's like a little. He's a little weird. But I was like, that's I'm down with that because I think I'm a little weird. Uh-huh. I I gravitated towards uh, like like my my best friends from elementary school. Uh, my best friends today are mm-hmm. my were my best friends back from like elementary school, and I gravitated towards them in about second or third grade, uh, when I realized, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm still developing my brain, and, like, I don't know, like, what's what yet. I still yeah. don't know what's what. But these people, um, they were the weirdos. They were the ones, like, making weird jokes that didn't make sense and just, like, acting yeah. goofy and stuff. And I, I was like, wow, this is, this is where I belong with these guys. And to this day, we have, like, really bonkers conversations and and stuff and so i i identify i can relate to like weird stuff there's a difference between you know being weird or abnormal um and then like um invading someone's personal space well that's like three different things right there weird (laughs) abnormal and invading someone's space (laughs) well i i I, yeah up to now i just want to make clear that when i say when i'm saying weird i i mean it as a synonym for abnormal and i don't mean either of those in a derogatory sense right um but uh, yeah, no, I definitely felt, even though I was like kind of a little like, I was like, okay, I don't know, because I don't know this guy yet. I was like, I can probably get down with this dude because we are, we, we break convention or we're not afraid to break convention. I see. I just wanted to give a, a shout out to it we're, that we're all um, in an interesting position of making the entertainment, making the shows, making the movies. Yeah. Yeah, not only is it not a normal time now, and it won't be normal by any means when we actually get back to work, whenever that is, but it our jobs under normal circumstances are not normal jobs. No, they're, they're not. weird. Like, you know, no. as, but, you know boom ops, like, like, all kinds of positions. Like, I've had to, like, lay on my back under a table by a woman's, like, knees to, like, get the, the line that we needed, like, yeah. and without distracting her. There's all these weird things you have to do. Yeah. Um, and just like the, you know, but then also outside of that, the content and the actual physicality of things like, you know, you're dealing with the long hours and the yeah. this idea of meal penalties and all this, all this, you know, all the politics and everything. It's just, it's a very, 
I, I can't speak to too many other jobs. You've had a lot of jobs, but like other industries. I've had a lot, where, lot of jobs. Yeah, which is another idea for a podcast that, that <laughs> I really think you should get some funding for. I I think I think um, over time, if I have more pie, if I do another one, if I do a zero zero two, if if it is actually you better. Um, this will be the entire series. Is this interview? I think right. Um, <laughs> it would just be this on repeat. Um, uh, the amount of jobs I've had, right. Um, that's just the way that I was brought up because my parents, especially my dad would say, you need to have a job, you need to have a job. And then even when I was working or trying to get into this business, he would be saying on struggling, he'd be saying, get a real job, get a real job, get a normal job. What's a normal yeah. job? Well, what's a real a normal job? job? The normal real job is sitting behind a desk, you know, right. So our jobs essentially are not, normal because we look work long hours and we have all these different rules and um it um it's weird too it's always been weird to me that like on a film set not everyone is even close to equal there's this hierarchy and it works its way logistically politically based on how much people are making money wise like uh it's weird to me that an actor is inherently more like higher priority or higher value than any crew person with the exception of maybe the director or the producers. Well, it's, the, it's the, of course, I mean, it's the actor is providing but, all the entertainment. Yeah. No, I know. But sometimes I'll be, I'll, if I'm booming, I'll be like on a set and I'm like standing next to like an A-list actor. And I'm like, wow, that guy's making like 500, 500 times more than me right now. Right. And we're standing in the exact same spot. Right. And you know, the choices he made versus but the choices I made. There's a golden shine. There's a highlight. There's yes. a presence, I get a little bit of that shine on me, and yeah, I can a take that home. Yeah. Yeah. Preserve it. Don't um, watch but the then there's, there's people lower than than what we do. There's people lower than us, like way lower than us. Like, and you know, on the totem pole, they're not. Yeah. They're not worth less than us as people. But right. on a film set, they have way lower priority, and they're treated differently. And it's it's yeah. strange. It's a weird little subculture that we live in. Well, it's a strange thing to say lower priority because we're all there. Together. No, everyone who's and there needs before. to be there. Yeah. They're there for a reason. Otherwise, mm -hmm. trust me, they would cut them out of the budget like that. But oh, yeah. um, they are. And I don't mean this. I mean, like, I, my, you know, I, I feel a kinship with all the crew people, wh whatever position they're in. And on yeah. many occasions with the with the actors as well. It depends on the kind of vibe of the movie or what or the TV show. But, you know, there are people like like production assistants who, you know, notoriously uh get treated like crap and on many sets i've, I've seen that happen and like that's yeah. what i mean i don't mean yeah lower priority is not the best way to say it but they are they're treated like second class citizens and i feel like as sound people were treated within this within this like little bubble of the film industry mm -hmm. uh of production uh we're like treated like second class compared to like the camera department you know what i mean it's like it's weird it's weird i keep saying yeah. weird i can't stop yeah yeah um, many times yeah but uh so yeah there's this like Basically, what I'm saying is on a film set, not everyone is equal. And I guess mm -hmm. that, that applies to an office job, too. You have a hierarchy there. It applies uh, to everything. I've never really done an office job. No? Yeah. It's, it'd be, wouldn't it be nice? I, I, I interned at a few offices. I interned at a law office, and I interned at this, like, I guess you'd call it a production company, but it's basically just one guy trying to get funding to adapt this novel uh, that never happened. Um, so I don't really know what that's like i mean i've worked in, cu in in cubicles at those at the second place and then i worked in a proper office in the first place um but uh i've never like had any kind of major responsibility in any kind of significant way in an office setting mm. 
yeah. that's interesting. I can't do an office like nine to five, like every day is the same place. Like you're, you know, you're sacrificing the consistency, but you're, what you're getting doing what we do is you get variety. Um, and yeah. uh, you know, you're getting out of that monotonous sort of the rat race. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pros and cons. There's a lot of things yeah. you can compare and contrast to a quote unquote normal job. Yeah. I think it comes down to personality type and like yeah. you're someone that's a little more, maybe adventurous and out there out there are we are are we all the everyone in our business are we were are we, are we no. the weird ones you can't make a general sweeping generalization no, like that can't. can't you might have someone who's working on like the martha stewart show the the studio show and like for them it kind of is a nine to five job every day right. and they know what their hours and location is going to be you know we're all over the place we don't know where we're going to be like like i said we had to stay at that hotel in atlantic city and then the next for the rest of production, we were in Newark and yeah. commuting back and forth. So, yeah. you know, yeah. diff- very different lifestyles. My yeah. wife, my wife works uh, for a network and she, um, it's like a, you know, it's not a production job, but she's involved with produ- many productions. Um, and it's an office setting right now. She's working from home and they decided that'll be the case at least through the end of August. But likely even after that, there's going to be some kind of rotation where you maybe only come into the office two days a week because they're proving right now that you can like Jack Dorsey of Twitter, uh, they're getting rid of all their offices. And like mm. a lot of, from what I hear, uh, a bunch of big companies are doing that now. So everything's changing. So I guess my point is there is no normal. Is there? Right. right. No. I wonder if there is a scale. Like, no. Cause you can't, you can't quantify you can't it. No. You can't quantify yeah. it. Well, I mean, it's fun to, it's fun to like, pick a bunch of adjectives and sort of give them priority. Like it's the beauty of the English language um, uh, or give them a hierarchy, but uh, weird, strange out there. Um, I, oh, you know, c- crazy. Yeah. Those words can be cool or could also be derogatory, I guess, depending on yeah. who you are, where you are, how it is said. Yeah. Whenever I think of um, abnormal, the first thing that comes to my head is Abby Normal. I think of young Frankenstein when he's looking at the brains and he finds Abby Normal brain. So, listen. Yeah. I just watched Spaceballs. Oh. I like Mel Brooks a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I quite enjoyed Spaceballs. I'm not embarrassed to say that I have not seen young Frankenstein yet. Um, oh. I know, I know. You it's one of those. I know. Listen, I'm almost at 100 movies for the year right now. I just watched Some Like It Hot this morning. And I watched wow. Gold Rush, the Charlie Chaplin 1926 uh, Gold Rush, like the other day, and I love them both. Um, but yes, I need to watch Young Frankenstein. That's been mm-hmm. on my list for long. I have a list of 600 films I'm trying to watch, like before I die. That's a good. Okay, that's good. You never know. You never yeah. know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I wonder where, uh, what, what movie you're gonna die on. Like, oh, this is my 832nd. Oh. Sorry that I ruined that one moment no, you... in Young Frankenstein. I thought you were going to say when you think of abnormal, you think of like a doctor giving a diagnosis or something. Yeah, like, that's that's when you think of. Right, right, right. But and also even something that's when you, when you say my normal or normal diagnosis, it, that's also like, I guess, a, an odd thing to say uh, normal as a standard of health, I guess. But then there's normal as what pertains to you as a person and how you're made up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said the word weird. We, the word weird is always, um, I think I heard weird more growing up, that word, than I did hear normal. Well, because you grew up, you grew up like in the 80s, right? 
yeah. Uh, so you yeah. had Weird Al Yankovic doing yeah. his thing. I had yeah. Weird Al too as a kid in the in the nineties. Yeah, you don't really because people when things are normal, you don't really need to comment on them, right? Right. You hear people say, "Oh, that's so weird." Yeah. You hear people saying, "That's so normal." That's so normal. Well, that's that's a I good guess... name for the podcast, by the way. Oh, thank you. It's, that's is it so too normal? late to change it? Yeah. It sounds it, like that's a raven, so... Well, that's why... That's probably why I like it. Oh, big raven fan. I actually just remembered that there was a... Um, I guess weird was used a lot in the 80s, right? Because it's also in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, okay, yes. Little I Shop have Horrors, seen that one. John Candy plays the the DJ or the, the, um, the radio host in Little Shop of Horrors, and he, and he says about the... Audrey, too, that it's so weird. Um, <laughs> you sound like Mr. Ed right now. I just remember Rick Moranis and then the giant flower thing. So what does normal mean to you? Do you mean, I knew you are going to ask me this. Uh, does that mean, are you asking me what do I think the definition of the word means or what is normal in my life? I think, I think it can go both ways. I think both. Um, the definition of and how is it reflected in your life or maybe more than that. I think the definition, I was thinking about this uh, before we went live, I think the definition probably is something like, it's what we generally expect. It's yeah. within the realm, within the, the range of things that we can reasonably expect in our everyday life. Um, but then, of course, you have to kind of calibrate that for yourself and for the people that you're interacting with. Um, calibrate your normal. Yeah, well, that's a good title. Is it too oh, late to... Cal- is it, um, Cal- it's a good catchphrase. You know, like, you going back to the doctor thing, like, people will... Like, a doctor will say, like, oh, like, your weight is normal for your height. Like, he has to... Qual- or he or, or she has to qualify, to qualify it for the, right. for the person, right? Um, so what's normal for me? I don't know. Like, like, right now, I mean, this is a great time for a podcast with such a title because right now we're in a completely abnormal situation. Yeah. Atypical. Yeah. It's that's good. another good it's another good title yeah. um i think that is a tv show actually um because we're going through this pandemic we have donald trump as president there's just so much going on at the same time like yeah. i think i've been telling people like we've been through this country's been through so much in its short history mm-hmm. and i haven't been around during like any of the world wars or you know uh the, the great depression or anything like that but i think this might be 11 I mean, 9-11 was a big... Yes, uh, and I, I was around animal. for that. I was young, and I didn't know... I didn't... It took me... Uh, I didn't appreciate the impact oh. or the intensity of that event until a couple years after the fact. Like, mm. the day that it was happening, I was like... I, I didn't, I didn't like, didn't really understand. It. And I, I grew up in New York. I grew up in Long Island, and I didn't, like... It, I didn't quite understand exact... This is going to sound crazy, but I didn't really get what the big deal was you know what i mean like it's it's weird it's weird to say that now like looking back yeah but i was like 12 years old which is you know you're old enough to understand war like like the basics um but i was like i was like i guess i was like i don't know like the government will figure it out i didn't i had no idea like i was i was pretty dumb still dumb i'm about to forget what i was trying to just say um oh i think this is probably the craziest period in american history just the everything combined at the same time we haven't had a pandemic like this since you know 1918 this is the most atypical time it's an interesting point that you brought up of that you're 12 years old and the, the way that you processed it was not you wouldn't agree with the way you processed it then because you're 12 years old oh yeah 
and then you took a couple of years to kind of mature into that response but i guess it's what i'm thinking about what when is it a normal people we all process things differently at any age i think um but as for when children up until a certain age when something big like that happens that's a huge mental thing to to comprehend something like 9-11 that I think it's like when some people when they get scared they laugh I think it's it's an interesting way to to process it there's I guess there is no normal with that I think some people would be shocked My, my wife like her that day her mom like you know the trains were all crazy and like her because she grew up in Queens and like you know she she knew what was going on and it affected her completely differently like she was afraid like her mom was never going to come home you know and i'm just like sitting in long island watching it on tv being like wow those buildings are going down like but i didn't i was like but it's got nothing to do with me like you know like i it was just two completely different reactions to it and maybe part of it maybe part of it was like me being subconsciously afraid and repressing my feelings about it i don't know like i yeah it's it's weird i i don't i haven't really talked about like i guess 9-11 with anyone except my wife in any kind of really meaningful way before oh i guess i mean yeah yeah i don't know i feel weird admitting that i guess you've Uh, mentioned weird a couple times already i it's part of my lexicon the word lexicon is not part of my lexicon but here i am saying it all over the place but there's no but are you feeling guilty of how you reacted i don't uh no i don't feel guilty i just uh no i'm pretty neutral about how i was you know i was a stupid 12 year old kid and now i'm a stupid 31 year old kid yeah Uh, no i don't feel guilty about it i just i wish i guess i wish i was more informed or more mature right when those things were happening yeah like i said at any age we just process it differently that's it yeah can you go back and say um Oh, I felt bad because I reacted that way. I guess when it's maybe a couple of days ago or a week ago, you can look back on the situation, but you, you have to give your 12-year-old some credit or some benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't really feel emotionally uh, like remorseful or something about uh, about something. I would have to, I would have to be emotionally and directly involved in a situation for me mm-hmm. to like have regret about it later. I think right. you know what I mean. Like I was right. pretty much. It happened to all of us, right? But there are my family. Thank God, was not directly affected. Like, like we didn't have any any relatives that got killed or, or were, um, you know, in the aftermath dealing with anything. Like, so we're we're very lucky for that, and I feel thankful for that. Um, but I, uh, I because I wasn't, you know, and this can apply to any situation. But because I wasn't directly involved, I feel like I have nothing to really regret as far as my actions when you were 12 this is nice tangent but when you were 12 when you were in what is that um seventh grade middle school seventh grade sounds right that's like that's like the time of like you left elementary school you're in this one school for a couple of years there's new people flushing in and out you've lost some friends because they went into other schools it's kind of like a merging of what's mm-hmm. gonna be the next big step in life. When you would you were ever, um, especially in middle school, um, called weird or bullied? Oh my God! 
Uh, am I allowed to say whatever I want here? Like, yeah. I, 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 okay. Like, yeah. I had a nickname in high school, in middle school and high school. I had, I, so I had all my close friends that I made in like second and third grade. Like I said, we're still close today. So I had that click. But basically, I was, uh, you know, people were calling me like fag and stuff like on a daily basis. I yeah, got, I got pushed into the locker a couple times. Like, oh. yeah, I was awkward with girls. I had like a couple different friend groups. I had that main group, and then I had like a side group. And, um, you know, I, I eventually did, did have a couple girlfriends throughout middle school and high school, but I was pretty much a loser <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, it's funny, it's funny looking back. Cause it's like, it means nothing when, like, it means everything when you're, you had a crew, you had a crew of all your friends. I had my crew. Yeah. We were together and now, yeah. and now you're being you know, a whole new element. I don't know. Yes. You now, did some of those friends go to other schools and you kind of lost that support. Well, so like the main core group we were the jew crew it was me ross adam and danny and then this kid travis who we don't really talk to anymore and then we also had our friend andrew who moved in in seventh grade who was like raised catholic but he was he's an honorary member of the jew crew um and then there were other like second tier people that like we went to hebrew school with and stuff um this has nothing to do with being jewish by the way but we were jewish (laughs) but this it was just it just so happened um i guess because because we went to hebrew school together a lot of us we like you know spent even more time together um, but none, none of those friends, like, moved away when we went to middle school. In fact, like, we had three different schools that all came together. So, so we you got, called that. You, call, you're, you called yourselves that. That yeah. was your name for yourself. Okay. But that didn't stop other people from calling me Jew with that tone, which is, for some reason, an insult, which I never yeah. understood. Um, so, yeah, we actually had, like, three times as many students now. And so I'm meeting all these new people, and a lot of them are, like, the cool kids. Yeah. And... Um, not everyone picked on me, but I got picked on by like by some of the degenerates and stuff. Uh, but um, I'm sorry. So what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> so your your crew kind of dismantled, and when you went into middle school, and now you're being bullied around. Oh, and it's all weird. I wouldn't say it dismantled. I'd say that I just I started making additional friends that were not part of that main crew, and uh, mm-hmm. I was also like in drama club, and uh, I was on the soccer team, and I got picked on a lot on the soccer team, which really pissed me off um uh i i remember getting i was obviously the worst player on the soccer so i used (laughs) uh, i used to play soccer like through like from like as early as you can start through like third grade i want to say and then at a certain point i would think i think it was third grade my mom gave me this choice she's like listen soccer is every sunday do you want to play soccer or do you want to go to hebrew school and for whatever reason i chose hebrew school um, it's cool that she gave me that choice. I don't know if a third grader should be making that choice. I don't know. I know. But, is uh, that normal? I don't know. There's no, there is no normal. Exactly. That's the whole thesis. Right. Um, and so I chose Hebrew school and then I was like, cool. And then like, I was, well, meanwhile, everyone else is playing soccer and they're like winning championships and stuff. And I like kind of stopped playing soccer. So then in middle school, like seventh grade, it's like, I want to join the soccer team. I want to get back into soccer. But everyone had been like playing a lot. They're all like, they're all bigger than me and stuff. And um, so I got placed as the fullback like on the defensive line. And I remember like my thing was like, I don't care if I get like cut up and hurt. Like, I'm just going to like run into people and get the ball. Like, so I would do that. I would just like kind of tack, like sort of like without using my arms, I would just sort of like tackle and run into people and stuff. And I don't think that's legal. No, um, but I would do it. And I remember, I don't know if it was seventh or eighth grade. I got, uh, it was seventh grade. I got this award most, most improved player on the team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, like, kind of awkward because I think me and everyone else knew, like, yeah, it's because you sucked when we started, and now you're probably just 
slightly below average. Do you think your 12-year-old self then? Oh, he'd kick my ass today. Yeah. No. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, did, I mean, I look back, and I was, when I was 12, I mean, it's the 80s, whatever, maybe, but um, I didn't even, I did not even know what normal was. But I knew what weird was, and I didn't like that word. Why not? I didn't like the, because I even now today think that's too vague of a word. Oh, it like didn't, normal. It didn't seem derogatory to you. It was just not specific enough. It was it derogatory. Was it was derogatory to me because the people who were saying it were saying it in a way that it was derogatory. Were they calling you weird? Right. Why do you think they called you weird? What was weird about you? To them. I was on my own. I think a lot of times I was on my own path. You know, I was I I had groups of friends spread out. Um, some friends in my schools, friends in other schools. So I didn't really have a big click, like a close by click. But I think for me is that um, I would just do my own things. Like I didn't have. I guess because my parents they would not give me uh, like all the brand name clothes and all this other stuff. And I have my own sense of humor, um, maybe um, because I was the third child, the youngest in my family, but so many years apart from my brother and sister. Like I had to find my own way to relate to everybody, older people and people of my age. So maybe that's why I was called weird. But the only way it hurt me because other people were saying it in a mean way or they were bullying me. Uh, but I never knew what the word, what normal was. And I think what it comes down to, like, being bullied, um, you're weird to that person, but who are they? So being called something for one second, oh, you yeah. could hold on to that one little word. Even being called, you know, not normal, or that's not normal, or doing something. We just thought, it's like, that's on my path. That's what I'm passionate about doing. That's what I want to do now. But as soon as someone says, oh, you're this or you're that. And then you just go, you start second guessing yourself at any mm -hmm. age, at any age. And then, the, then you have that inner dialogue. And that could be from friends, people that don't like you, parents, I think. So, um, so I, it's interesting that like at 12 years old, you had this experience, which is different from your young experience. And now you're looking back. I wonder how many times... Um, like moments that happened when you were in junior high with those kids saying those things affected you growing up or finding your path or why why you're doing what you're doing or why do you live where you live because of those moments i mean absolutely like yeah i completely believe in like the sliding doors another film i haven't seen uh kind of cause and effect thing like yeah it definitely definitely affected me like i still carry it with me today like i i don't have any insecurities about that stuff but like i remember it and i like i sort of identify i identify with like the loser kid in the in the high school teen movie or whatever like i yeah. you know like peter parker or what i love spider-man mm -hmm. um but yeah it definitely put me on so i mean and coincidentally i want to stress it's coincidental uh i was in drama club and um I so I had another group of friends there mm. and one of them became uh, one of my girlfriends and um, that because I'm bouncing between all these different groups and actually one of my good friends from the Jew crew ended up joining drama club so I'm mixing kind of all these different together I had the sports people the drama people my my friend people 
and it just like everyone's rubbing off on me in different ways i think i mean i i'm i consider myself i know we've been using this word weird a lot and weird doesn't necessarily have to mean it doesn't have to mean not normal you can be normal and weird right why not I, I tell yeah. my wife all the time I'm not normal. I have to remind her that I'm not normal because I don't I I just do weird stuff. I make weird noises for no reason and I I don't know. I, 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 I gravitate towards like absurd offbeat comedy. I like when people are not trying to fit into a mold as far as yeah. movies and artists. But that's that's just who you are though. You're uh, you you kind of you're giving yourself uh a little title or um you know descriptive a badge. a badge right a weird badge or a normal badge yeah <laughs> today i'm wearing this badge but it's really just you i mean you don't need a badge you don't need to i mean do you, you need to you need to warn your wife that i'm that you're no, being it's not certain. a warning it's a reminder, <laughs> a reminder. It's like, this is what you signed up for <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess, yeah, I guess I could see that. I mean, I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm professional and mature when I need to be, but I'm not like, I'm not like, and I love Andy Kaufman, but I'm not like Andy Kaufman, who's just like always trolling or in character or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, I'm probably, I'm giving myself way too much credit by even comparing myself to him. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't mean, know why I'm, you're doing that. I'm like an average, an average level of weird as far as weird goes, I'd say there's a way to quantify it yeah i don't know i just always felt the word is it, it's the word weird like the word normal is vague there's different levels of i mean you could use the word bizarre or weird or eccentric or creative you can only compare your weirdness to someone else i guess well, then, it's all relative how, yeah it's all relative how what's normal is normal being uh, like a robot, straight-laced, you know, or is it that weird? You know, that's... Right, well, if everything is normal and gray all the time, then that's boring. Oh, yeah. And there's no catalyst for change, maybe. Yeah. Like, some of our favorite characters from movies, like Doc Brown or whatever, like, from Back mm -hmm. to the Future, like, he's not normal. Like, that's kind of the whole point. He's this crazy scientist with a time machine. He's eccentric. He's but very eccentric, yeah. Yeah. But Marty's not a normal kid who hangs out with an older guy. That's true. <laughs> That's a really good point. But but he's not I, he's not a normal kid either, Marty. I think every character. That's what characters are. They they emphasize. He's not normal, but he's relatable, right? Like uh, Marty. Yeah. Is he not? Is he really not that normal for an '80s guy? Um. I mean, yes, he hangs out with Doc Brown. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> but what else? Like, uh, you know, he's he's playing. He plays guitar. He plays uh, guitar. He has a he falls in love with his falls in love with his mom, sort of. Well, well, well yeah, that's just. Spoiler. No, he does not. He does. She, she falls, falls in love with him. him. Well, Christian Glover's a weirdo. He's Chris, a real Christian weirdo. Glover, yeah. Well, the character, right? But I don't want to. No, the actor. Well, yeah, but I don't want to. Uh, sure. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna listen to this. Let's be honest. Christian Glover, please listen to my podcast. I think he would understand what I'm saying. I, yeah. you see, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a kindred spirit between weirdos. I hope yeah. weirdos not a derogatory term. Like, uh. Weirdo I, 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 is a derogatory thing, but not weird. I, I think weirdo probably is in a certain context, just like Jew is. Um, but like, uh, I think fellow weirdos get what I'm saying. Like, I love uh, a lot of the stuff on Adult Swim, like Eric Andre, Tim and Eric. So I feel like they speak to me. Like, I just binge watch all seven seasons of Children's Hospital, and it's so like not every episode hits, but it's so 
heartwarming to me, even though they're not, these are not emotional. They're basically like 15 minute sketches, but I feel very warm and fuzzy inside watching these shows. And that's kind of why I've been very slowly trying to do like stand up because I want to get some kind of validation that doing my weird shtick thing that I do, if, if I can get a reaction out of the audience, that means they feel the same way. And I feel like that validation, like, okay, like I'm connecting to you in a way that most people don't even think to. My wife and I just started intermittent fasting this week. Oh, how's it going? Uh, it's okay. We're doing the 5-2 variation, which means for five days a week, you eat normally. Huh. And then um, I really am, I never realized how often I use the words normal and weird. To me, they sort of are opposites colloquially um and then the other two days which are not supposed to be consecutive uh you cannot exceed 600 calories if you're a man or 500 if you're a lady Mm. you got lady parts so i'm lucky that i'm doing the 600 calorie version (laughs) and uh yeah it's 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 whatever i can do it so you're adding up calories of everything you eat yeah that's the annoying part is actually counting them it's like yeah. if they could just be pre-counted for me and like, here's a basket of all the food you can have today, that'd be a little easier for me. There are programs that give you that. I don't want to spend any money. Right. <laughs> I'm not working and uh, right. I'm cheap on top of that. So mm-hmm. we were talking about doing keto, which I think actually might be better. I'm not sure. But like that involves like, okay, real meal planning and like you have to buy like different ingredients you normally would. And it's like, ugh, like who wants to do that? Right. But if you if you can do it, more power to you. It's also the way oh, getting calories See, from. I don't even know about that. <laughs> I'm probably doing it all wrong. Yeah. Because you could know. like have a half a you know if you need a half a Big Mac and that's like 600 calories and then you can't eat the rest of the day. Yeah, but that's but are those bad calories or are they regular calories? Good calories. It's calories. Calories is I thought I didn't think there was a difference between good. There's difference between carbs and fat, like trans fat and all that. But I thought calories was just the energy it takes to burn up. A certain amount of food. But it's like what? What's the delivery service of the calorie that you're getting it from? That's what I'm saying. Like, what are the other? Yeah. Like the carb. Yeah. Carbs, sure. vegetables, fats, right. meat, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not getting that granular with it, I guess. But I'm also not eating terribly. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah. We how are like. I'm okay. I'm, I'm hungry. We're like four days in now. I think we're doing our second fast day of the week. Uh, I had a 60-calorie yogurt, blueberry yogurt, and some two teas, and that's all I've had today. I'm feeling pretty hungry. I'm rationing out the food throughout the day so that I don't like eat it all in the morning, and then I'm starving the rest of the day. And what day is this for you? This is like our this is our first week. I think it's day five of week one, but it's our second fast day of week one, second mm. out of two that makes sense and it's not a yeah. fast it's a, we call it the fast day but it's the day that you eat the five to six hundred calories mm-hmm. well good luck with that good luck to both of you i, I thank do, you you're welcome i do my own where i typically not today but t- typically i wait later in the day normally normally because i i feel that eating too soon after i wake up i'm not giving my body like a time to I guess process the night like I was I was laying down for how many hours throughout the night and now I'm standing up so my whole my interior my whole digestive system is now shifting so I don't want to like jump into food yeah. and throw that off so it's like I I try to be gentle with it there's probably some science to that 
I normally don't even eat breakfast unless I'm working. And if if I'm working, I have a very light breakfast usually, yeah. almost always. So um, this like not really eating so much in the morning isn't really bad for me. But now that it's like getting into the afternoon, I'm starting to feel it, starting to get hungry. But when do you, when's your next meal? I don't have anything planned. I mean, uh, I'm probably going to eat. I need to. Uh, we just got a car. I'm going to uh, drive my wife somewhere uh, shortly. And um, I'll probably eat something very small right before we leave the house. And you just bought a car? It's great. We, great. Have all the, we have all the freedom now. Yeah. That's because you live in Queens? No, you yeah. Live, yeah, I live in Queens. Astoria. Yeah. So you my have address is. Uh, yes. We don't have a driveway. We, have yeah. a, we do have a parking spot. It's a five minute walk. We're renting it month to month. Uh, yep. It was our best case scenario because I'm not going to deal with street parking right now. That's great. You have a car. Thank you. Yeah, the car is clutch. It's not yeah. It's not a manual car. I want to be clear. When I say the car's clutch, it's automatic. I'm using clutch in the old, in the, the sense that it's great. It's necessary. I don't know when that term started. That was I, don't know when it, I don't know when it ended, but for some reason I use it and I'm a millennial. Mm. You're a millennial? I think I'm a an old millennial, I believe. Really? I think so. I think I'm you're, right on the cusp. You're not born in this millennium in 21st century. I was born in the 20th century. What is? I I don't know if uh, that makes you a millennial. I I don't know the science behind it. <laughs> the science. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, but uh, I thought that I was right on the edge. Because I you, thought. Yeah, I mean, you were 11, right? When. The, 12. Um, I was so I was born in '89. My birthday, my social security number is. Get a pen ready. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll have to look it up and see what the millennials say about it. If they'll welcome me. No, I remember normal when I was in college. It was, um, it was to legalize marijuana. It was in a group in my college, N O R M L, to normalize marijuana. Wait, was it a uh, an acronym? Yeah, yeah, N O R M L. I know it was marijuana legalization, Nash, something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They, that forgot, was, the, that was, they forgot the A. Yeah. This didn't work with the message. Yeah. Pretty high. That's cool. What's on your mug? You have a big green mug. Oh, so I have two favorite mugs. This is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nice. Staple of my childhood. I have another mug. Uh, it's a comfort also... mug. It's it's comfort. I mean, it's something yeah. that someone might think that's weird for a 31-year-old, but that's a comfort mug. Well, you gotta, I mean, there's also, I mean, I like my retro stuff from my childhood. I still have my, I have to go through my mom's garage and like look at all the old Power Rangers toys and like decide if we should keep them forever <laughs> or throw them away or try to sell them. I don't know if they can make any money off them. Um, my other, my favorite mug though is a green mug uh, with Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc. on it. Oh. And yeah, these are both oversized mugs, and they're so I can have a nice large tea. So essentially, you like to have large green mugs. Correct. With pictures on them. I'd say that's that's fair to say. Yeah. yeah. What's on your shirt? Oh, uh, New York City Social. Uh, yeah. It's like a. You know what that is? No. For your for your friends who don't know what that is, it's a. Uh, a collective. I guess it's like. Um, yeah, you you pay a subscription fee and basically you you join one of their many different sports teams uh, and you go and you meet other people that are doing the same thing. So we played like intramural, intramural, I don't know, co-ed volleyball um, with a bunch of people I didn't know. Uh, there was like two people on the team that I knew who invited me. And then afterwards, like if you win and actually we won the tournament 
we won the whole thing, the championship, the 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 one year that I did it. Um, if you win your match that night, you get like a, a ticket to go to a local bar, and they get, you get a free pitcher of beer, and then the losing teams all show up, and you all just hang out, and it's a fun way to meet people in the city. Cool, cool. Yeah. New York Social. So, what do you think? If you were to be like uh, 20 years from now, are you going to look back on your life and say the last 20 years? No, I'm still I'm still uh, the weird eccentric guy telling my wife that I'm gonna that's who I am. I, I, I mean, I'm sure just as I matured from 12 to 31, I'll probably do some more growing as a person, I would hope, yeah. over the next 20 years. But Wait, I think is that a growing me, thing? Is that a maturity thing? Is that like that's I think you're I mean, you always be like young, artistic, weird, quote unquote, child inside you. I see myself as being a, an ex, not eccentric like Doc Brown, but being kind of not your typical old guy. Mm-hmm. But when I'm 51, I won't be that old. Um, but I still think I'll identify. I'd like to think I'll, I still identify as being kind of on the fringe, if even in a subtle way. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not like I, I function in society. Like I'm not I'm 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 relatively normal. I just like I have weird sensibilities, I think. And depending on who I'm around, I'll let them kind of come out a little bit. Okay, know? so so what do we call that? We call that that's normal. Uh, that's normal. That's that's what normal is: is being tr- acting normal when you can, and then not when you don't have to. Acting normal, but it's based on who you're with. I so think it's acting so. They're they're normal, but it's but it's like you're 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 kind of judging their perspective of reality and trying to base what because be, if you say you're to, you're going to be normal with them. But that means you're are you not being yourself? You're just trying to kind of equate to their place. Not in necessarily. Life. I, I'll give you an example. Like at work, for example, if I need to talk to a director or an actor about like a sound thing, I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna be totally straight and flat and just professional. And I, I don't professional. mean. To, I don't mean. I don't mean not to be not cheery or whatever. But like, I'm gonna just get to the point and like not beat around the bush and not like make unnecessary jokes and that kind of thing when I'm with my friends or, or, or even at work within the sound department, just between the three of us, you've seen me. I, I can't think of any specific examples, but I'm sure I was like joking around all the time. Well, I mean, yeah, we had an abnormal an atypical situation yeah. on that movie. Cause I broke yeah. my foot after the first right. week of production and you guys were fantastic. Both of you, um, you and Ty helping, mm-hmm. uh, you got my food you're helping me in and out of the van every single time. And like, that was, that was really beautiful. Actually, that was, that was great of you guys to do that. I couldn't have done it without you guys. Well, like I said, then it was like, I said to you, it was a good thing. I like you because yeah. I, if I don't know, I mean, how would I, it's all for the team and everyone for the team, but it wasn't just Ty and I, and thank you. No, so that's, much for that's staying true. Up. But everyone was there for you because everyone liked you. I know like, like Norma gave me her chair at one point when we were on location and like, yeah, everyone, everyone was helping me. Everyone was concerned. The producers were asking, how am I doing every day? It was, it was, it was really cool. That um, was not a quote unquote normal thing for me either. The whole, just everyone on that job was, it was like one of the best jobs I've ever worked. Yeah. That job felt very familial, right? Like yeah. we felt like a real unit in, in a way that's more than just, it, it transcends the professional realm. And if you feel like kind of an emotional connection with these people, 
yeah. right? Like a friendship. Um, whereas a lot of jobs can be very clinical, especially big, bigger jobs. Oh, this could be it could be clinical. There's could be egos involved. There could oh yeah. Be, uh, just tension every day. Yeah. It's oh yeah. It could be so many things. But you you and Ty were so great, and I remember uh, telling I think it was the AD that like if if either one of you guys were either incompetent or a jerk that I wouldn't be able to do do the job anymore. But for anyone, any producers out there listening right now, my foot is fully healed and I'm ready to work. <laughs> well, yeah, you're able to do your job. It's a good thing that your your job was to sit. Yeah, well, you know, uh, my the way my style uh, mm. of, of being the sound mixer, uh, I, I'm very hands-on. Like a, a lot of mixers aren't, but a lot are as well. I, and, and I don't even mind doing the other stuff that like the mixer normally doesn't do. Like I'll throw the carpets in, like whatever gets it ready faster and, and you know, the mm-hmm. best way possible. I don't have an ego about it either. Like if you guys want to do it, great. But like, I'm usually the one doing the wires and stuff and it's going to be inter- like lobbing the actors. And it's going to be interesting as we move into, you know, production when that eventually happens, you know, if there's a pod situation and only certain people can get near the actors I'm going to just have to let that go. Like I did on the movie, like, you know, Ty did all the wiring because even though mm-hmm. I wanted to, it's like, I can't really leave the cart. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be adjustments that need to be made from all departments. When I kind of left the business and when I came back from my perspective, things got a little easier for some people, but also out of hand in other ways. And uh, it just, it took me by a shock um, that I had to like, just jump into this and, rough it out as I went because it was, it was different to me. Yeah. So it was definitely not quote unquote normal, but we, we say our industry is not normal, but then things were also getting not even weirder, but out of hand, just mm. un- uncontrollable. And, and uh, hopefully this whole situation, which is abnormal will fix what was normal not fixed, but better what was normal in the industry to make it even better run i i hope you're right but i'm i'm not optimistic about that yeah i think that once things level out and then there's a vaccine and then everyone starts feeling really safe again and maybe this will be two years from now i don't know but like once once coronavirus is just a memory i Mm. think things will definitely go back to normal unfortunately Mm. like like as far as like the long hours and and the meal penalties and everything like that I don't see it. Why? Because why would it? Like, like the idea is like, oh no, this is a teachable moment. Like we can, th- there's a better way to do this. Um, going back to uh, 9/11 for a second, um, I, 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 one of the podcasts I listen to is uh, Conan O'Brien. He's a friend, which I highly recommend. Conan O'Brien had J.J. Abrams on his podcast, and they were talking about how in the weeks following 9/11, that New Yorkers mm-hmm. were being really nice to each other like in a restaurant yeah. or whatever and like people there was like this kind of kinship of this like solidarity and how after about two weeks things just kind of went back to normal yeah. and i feel like it's kind of the same people because people it sounds weird <laughs> it sounds mm-hmm. weird but people want things to be normal um and right now like what not right now but what normal means for our industry is all those things that we're trying to fight against and i think right now there are with the virus and with everything else that's going on i think there are bigger fish to fry not not to diminish the importance of what we need in our industry what we've always needed but i think there are even bigger fish to fry and that it would be nice to kind of get this in the mix as well and maybe we can but i don't know if that'll last 
mm-hmm. once things go back really to normal, when there really is no more worry of this pandemic, it always comes back down to money. And it's money now. It's money now, even while well, in the pandemic. It's money now, but it's also money and how do we do this during a pandemic, which right. then invokes safety, additional safety protocols and logistical things that we need to think about that we don't normally need to think about. And once the, the need for those logistical extras goes away because we have a vaccine and actors and crew and everyone else are not afraid of getting sick anymore, why wouldn't they go back to the whatever way is cheapest? I would imagine that not working excessive long hours and having to go home after working a long day, driving and all this, I, th- I would think that some of those will have to be curbed because it's, it's way past due um, of, of um, affecting our livelihoods, our lives, our health. Um, I agree with they're you. They're actually, they're, and it is more money because we are working long hours and it's overtime. So they cut back the hours, they will save and it'll be in our health benefit. It won't be in our, our pockets, but at least we'll be alive. I, I agree with you. There's a, a famous story. I think it's a makeup artist on uh, this one of the James Cameron films from the 90s, or it might be Titanic. And uh, she, you know, she died uh, driving home after like a long day yeah. because she just wasn't getting enough sleep. And yeah, that has been a that has been a problem. There's also a, that documentary. Um, Twelve on Twelve and Twelve. Yeah, by uh, Wexler. But that was based on um, the movie Pleasantville, which came out late 90s, 97, um, mm-hmm. about they have worked a really long day and some guy uh, forgot what position it was, I'm sorry, but he drove home and he didn't make it home. So yeah. that became the 12 on, 12 off. Kind oh, of is that when that started? I think so. Wait, wait, so before Pleasantville, you're saying they would just... There was no standard as far as a 12-hour day? Is that what you're... There was never a standard. I mean, today we can say there's a 12-hour... We can expect a 12-hour day, right? As, as normal. Um, or even a 14-hour day is normal. Right. I mean, you. but, you, but you usually you base everything off of a 12-hour work day. How much money you're expecting to make, what time you expect to be home, you're assuming about 12 hours. And I'm asking, is that... You're saying before Pleasantville, that wasn't necessarily the case. There were people who were just working long hours. I think you're, you're. I don't, I don't know if there was an assumption of this is going to be a twelve-hour day, because an hour line of work. There's like the eight-hour and everything after eight hours is overtime. But CBS had to cap it at fourteen because things were just getting excessive. And and I don't think there was ever like it's. Hold on to the base, it's going to be 12 hours. No, you could be holding on to the base, it's going to be a long day. I remember a job where we'd start like the call time out in location, which is first like an hour drive to get there, would be 6 a.m. on Monday, oh, but then yeah. 6 p.m. on Friday. Yep. And they, that'd be just a cycle because of locations. And it would just be by the time you get back into your bed, you have, you try yeah. to go to sleep, your body's still wired, maybe you have two hours and then you back, back out there so it wasn't it's not a normal your body is is not can't normalize your mind yeah. can't normalize that. also what kind of life is that yeah. you know yeah. and there are a lot of people who do shows i've never heard of one that bad but like they're doing long-term episodic tv where they have by the end of the week they're doing a Saturday. and i've been very lucky so far that i haven't really encountered that only on movies once in a while uh, i was on a show for a while where we never i think on my like 
almost seven year run on, on that show, we had like four Fridays. So it was very lucky. Um, but some people, yeah, they have to, they live their life that way. And I just, I get it. You got to pay the bills, but that, you know, you're, you're half your weekend is you're sleeping and yeah. I mean, what, where's your time with your family and all that stuff, you know, like what's the right. point? Yeah. Um, I think I, I do want to mention, like you do have like big directors like Clint Eastwood and I think Woody Allen who they don't like to go over eight or 10 hours or whatever. Right. Like that's always been the case for them which is, I think is cool. I think part of, I don't know if it's out of generosity or just they want to get home themselves. They want to get home. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. but we all want to get home, right? And I mean, a lot, of people, they, a, a lot of people do thrive off the overtime. Like they, they, they want the long days as long a day as possible. I yeah. think that if you start making days shorter, don't you run the risk of adding more days to production? And couldn't that potentially lead to higher expense? I don't get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. I have no idea how that's going to work. But yeah, well, it'll probably be many more. It'll probably be more days, and that would affect locations and uh, availability. But then that all, that also can be worked out. Um, I think if they discover a cheaper way that also happens to be better right now because of the pandemic, then great. Then maybe that will become the new way. But it has to ultimately be cheaper, or I don't see them clinging to it. Yeah. That's just my pessimistic view. I hope they do. It'd be great for for everyone. It'd be better for everyone. I just don't know if if that's because it, it really does come down to money, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I mean, there are people that some directors, some writers, and producers they are and actors they're there for the art, obviously. But yeah. the people that own the content ultimately they're trying to get get paid. We're making entertainment. Is what we're doing. Right. That's one of the things I love about what we do is that we're literally not saving lives. So it's like if there's a problem, like I always like if, if I've tried everything else and I just can't beat a certain problem and I know it's going to be, a you know, a, an issue down the line, I can at least say at least no one's going to die. And I can like relax, be like, it's just TV or it's just a movie, you know, yeah. movies are my life. But yeah. <laughs> but I can relax, be like, it's going to be OK. Did you feel always feel that you were going to get into this business when you were growing up? Did you feel like never. you were a cash Never. No, I mean, I made we made little skits and little short movies on my friend uh, on his like video camera, on his home movie camera. We even taped over some of his personal home movies to do it. Um, but we, uh, no, like I, I never had a dream of being in the film industry until I went to college. Like I always wanted to be a... Well, I, that's half true i never dreamed of being a filmmaker or wor- working on movies or tv like i always wanted to be an actor actually until i got to college and i was still i was acting in some of the plays at college i wasn't going to school for for acting and then uh i discovered filmmaking and i was like oh, i can't i couldn't make the time to do both i'm no charlie chaplin couldn't do it mm. um so uh i chose the filmmaking route which then led me to sound mixing i'm still a filmmaker you're still but, a filmmaker. You've made some beautiful yeah. uh, movies. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. But I don't. Uh, I don't get paid to do that. Thank no. you. One day, hopefully. See, I was and a they... cash potato growing up. I always yeah. thought I was going to be involved with the business somehow because I was, you know, uh, following my own path. Weird child, didn't always. I had friends, but you know, I didn't always want to play sports or something like that. You know, yeah. that's. But that's so you found yourself. You found your career. Because um, other things weren't really working out. Yeah. In college. Like, like I said, like I, I will, uh, I wanted to be an actor like since I was young, but I also wanted to be a lawyer. And my mom used to say, "What's the difference?" 
and and that was her that was her famous joke until years later I was like mom can you just stop stop doing that joke you <laughs> um but yeah so I you get all your humor from your mom oh god i mean i get in i get uh inspiration from her i'd say uh but no i love my mom very much um but she's no comedian she makes jokes she's no comedian I'd say she's she's funny sometimes. I guess mm-hmm. if I if we're gonna get into this, um, <laughs> talk about how funny my mom was. But yeah, no, I wanted to be a lawyer for a long time, and in fourth grade, I did a mock trial as a, I think I was a defense attorney, and I lost my trial. Um, mm-hmm. But I love the idea of standing up for justice. But a lot of what lawyers do is not that. So it's like, never mind. Mm. So you could you could be uh, you could do a judge show. You could be the judge. You can act as a judge in a judge show. I think Judge Judy made like $27 million last year or something like that. I, I'm looking that up. I have no idea. So we talked about Judge Judy. We talked about my mom. This is great. Yeah. This is like free, free therapy. Do we need to dig in a little deeper about Judge Judy and your mom and how they affect you and your life <laughs> growing up in your childhood? Thank you for having me. I'm, I really am honored to be your first guest. I hope I could be the Frank Sinatra to your Johnny Carson. And, uh, well, thank you for yeah. calling me Johnny Carson. Although it's probably going to bring the stock down if I'm on the show too much. Yeah. When it gets way too high, when I need to like stabilize it a little bit, I'll bring uh, you on. Yeah. <laughs> then we'll buy more shares. Or quote unquote normalize it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Normalizing audio where you bring the gain up. Why is that called normalizing? Yeah. When you bring it, it's a post production thing. It's, it's like a, a plug in or an effect that you do to the whole track or to a section of the track where it raises the gain, like however many dB you tell it. It's called, yeah, normalization. called normalization. Hmm. Yeah, normalization. Uh, let's just bring it back for a second. Let's bring it back and get ready to, to close it up, I think. Because you need to shower. I need to, yeah. You need to wash this off your body. I do. I, yeah, I don't know if I can get this stank off. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel good. Uh, I'm hungry, but I'm, I'm, this was good for me. It's actually, it's, this is our first time during this whole quarantine that we've actually spoken like face to face like we've yeah. we sent each other like little video messages and yeah. then we haven't talked on the phone we've been texting yeah. um but it's actually really good to like talk to you kind of one-on-one i like this guy i like having the skype i I recommend you do this with the instead of the phone calls for future guests um because it's just good to i feel like a connection that we wouldn't have if we were just on the phone that's true skype or zoom or anything. Yeah. yeah or yeah yeah i don't want to get brand specific but um yeah. no this has been really great and thank you for having me uh I hope that you have a lot of luck um, moving forward uh, with this, and it uh, brings you great joy and success. Thank you. I think um, I think you are a good uh, test run, and I'll delete. Yeah, this. I mean, I'm a, I'm an odd choice for a first guest. Let's be honest, like because I'm not I'm not your typical guest. You know, I'm yeah. kind of a weirdo. Maybe yeah. that's why you picked me. That's why. I hope I'm exactly not offending like people that identify as weirdos, and that's an actual group that now it's like. They're going to send you angry uh, telegrams or whatever. Well, then you read them and it's like, well, that's just weird. Well, that's just Morse code. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I didn't get your joke, but you laughed at mine. That makes me feel bad. <laughs> um, well, thank you for, for doing this, Ben. Um, I'm going to cut out most of this. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. This whole thing's going to be five minutes. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Well, uh, have fun cutting it the rest of the day and probably into the weekend. <laughs> Um, and let me know when it's live and I'll, I'll, I'll give it a like, I'll give it a listen. Yeah. I'll share it. Up. My, I'll give it a thumbs up. 
I'm just, we're all very happy for you. We're all of you. All of Thank us. You. Thank you. And podcast land. I would love to do a part two. I would love to come back anytime you'd love to have me. I could be like the recurring. I could be like the, uh, oh God. I don't know. I, the, that guy. That who's the guy on Johnny Carson or, or whoever, or Ed Sullivan, who just came back all the time, kind of whenever he wanted. I guess that's all the uh, big stars. So you want to you want to be not the like, sidekick, not the Ed no. McMahon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed McMahon. Yeah, Ed McMahon. Not, I but, get him mixed up with Vince McMahon sometimes. Like Frank Sinatra would come by Carson. I could be the I could be the Frank Sinatra <laughs> to your Johnny Carson. Don't give me an answer now. Take some time to think about it. But thanks for coming. All right, thank you again, and God bless you. And I hope everyone out there is uh, doing their best to keep their sanity and stay healthy and safe. Thanks, man. All right. I'll talk to you later. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my podcast, What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders. If you'd like to reach out to me, if you'd like to be a guest, please find me at Facebook, What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders. You may also email me at email wnwgs at gmail.com that's e-m-a-i-l-w-n-w-g-s at gmail.com thank you so much have a great day